Young. Tyra, we're tired of all your bitching out there. Welcome back to another episode of the Kombucha Hour podcast. If you are new here, hello, welcome. My name is Tyra and I am the host of the Kombucha Hour podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode. I think it is probably one of the most important episodes that I have ever put out. This case needs so much support from vegans. As we know, vegans are a very small percentage of the population and even within the population of vegans, not many of of those vegans are actual animal advocates. So the small percentage of people listening to this podcast who value the lives of animals and value the lives of cows specifically, since that is what we are going to be talking about in this case, please listen to this entire episode and provide as much support as you possibly can for this sanctuary. I will be getting into the timeline of this case with my two guests. So if you are unaware of what is going on, grab some popcorn, grab Grab some vegan chocolate, grab some coffee, grab a bottle of kombucha, whatever it may be, and sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode because there is a lot to get through. I will again be providing a timeline and an overview of what is going on in this case later on in the podcast. In this podcast episode, I had the amazing privilege to have Matt Albert, who is the attorney for Asha Sanctuary, and I also was joined by one of my best friends. Andrea. You guys probably know her as Toronto Vegan Mom on TikTok and on Instagram and other social media platforms. She is an amazing animal rights activist and I encourage you guys both to support Matt and Andrea and thank them for coming on this podcast to talk about this case. Just as a very, very, very brief overview of this case, we are going to be talking about Asha Sanctuary, which is located in New York. Two cows found their way onto Asha's sanctuary, which is owned or ran by Tracy Murphy for over a decade. They escaped from a beef farm and found their way onto the property of the sanctuary grounds. Immediately, Tracy Murphy notified SPCA and had the cows in her possession for about 10 days before shit hit the fan, basically. Tracy Murphy was then arrested for refusing to give the cows back, and this has created created a large amount of controversy and has completely damaged the reputation of Tracy Murphy. As vegans, I think we can all relate to being in Tracy's shoes if two cows or dogs or cats or rabbits or goats or whatever wandered onto our property and we knew that they were going to be killed 18 years earlier than their average lifespan. I think a lot of people could relate and see themselves in this case, which is why it is so important that we rally behind Tracy Murphy. Whether you are a fan of Tracy Murphy, whether you are in favor or not in favor of returning the cows back to their original owner, whose name is Scott Gregson, who is a state trooper in New York, I still encourage you to listen to this entire podcast episode before forming any negative or even positive opinions. As a student journalist, I like to report on the facts, but I also do think that stating your own personal opinions is valuable and just as important. I went into the research for this podcast obviously biased because I am a vegan, so I am acknowledging that in this podcast episode, my viewpoint will differ from the mainstream just because I am vegan, but that will not stop me from reporting on what I believe is right and what I believe the facts are. None of my biases will affect what I believe are the actual facts and timeline of this case. This This podcast is merely focusing on the facts of this case, clearing up any rumors, and discussing our thoughts on this case. This podcast will contain personal opinions, and these opinions are our own opinions. All statements in this episode are merely a statement of opinion. All opinions in this episode, again, are just that opinions and cannot be taken as fact or universal opinion. None of the opinions or statements in this episode are 
are made with malice, hatred, spite, or resentment. If any of the information in this podcast episode appears to be false, please reach out to me to settle for a resolvement. For sources in this case, please visit the description of this podcast episode. We do not advocate for violence or harassment to any of the subjects spoken to on this podcast episode. This is merely just a podcast episode. Do not let it affect your life in a negative way. To make it clear that no one in this podcast is accusing Scott Gregson or anyone under him of abusing animals pre-slaughter. A lot of vegans acknowledge that small farmers treat their animals a little bit better than factory farm animals, but we do know that they are eventually killed and slaughtered, usually around two years old, which is exactly what Scott Gregson planned to do with those cows, stated in multiple articles. Please again look at the sources because I will back up everything that I say with sources in the description. In this episode, we are simply pointing out the fact that cows have a life expectancy of 20 plus years depending on the cow, but Scott Gregson himself again has stated that he keeps the cows for only two years before slaughtering them. We challenge the pre-existing societal norm that is killing animals almost 18 years premature than their average lifespan when majority of the population has the option to opt out of supporting this industry. Before we get into this episode again, I want to say that this episode was recorded on Sunday, August 7th, 2022. Evidence and facts of this case may have developed since then, and you can follow me at Tyra the Taurus on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok for updated information on this case as it is presented to me. Feel free to reach out, DM me, have a civil discussion about this case after listening to this entire episode. The last point that I want to make before we get into the interview portion of this case is that I will encourage everyone listening to this to visit Asha Sanctuary's website. Please donate to their sanctuary because again, there are animals still residing at that sanctuary who need our support. Our sanctuaries need support regardless of situations like this, but definitely when times are tough, it is extremely important that vegans rally behind our sanctuaries because again, the purpose of veganism should be about liberating animals. And I think that that is something that we can all agree on as vegans. I don't encourage leaving fake reviews about the sanctuary if you have never been there, but if you find time in your schedule to leave a review on Google or Yelp about the sanctuary, stating some of the facts of this case in defense of the sanctuary, or linking this podcast episode that would be extremely helpful. If you have been to Asha's Sanctuary and had a great experience or whatever your actual experience may be when you visit there or personally got a tour, please leave a review because I think that they definitely need it. If not, please just try and take a few minutes out of your day to support Asha's Sanctuary on all of their social media platforms, which I will again have in the description of their comment section their inboxes, DMs, reviews have just been flooded by people who don't support saving and liberating these cows, people who have never visited Tracy's farm, and people who are straight up making allegations and defaming her character without even knowing Tracy as a person. So I will encourage everybody to go and support them on social media and in their review section and to please donate. I don't ever really push my podcast on people because I again use this podcast to just kind of vent and spread awareness about issues that are important but this time I have to just ask that you share this podcast episode get it out as much as possible because we really have a chance to set a precedent for future animals with this case and the future of the two cows that are being talked about in this case today. Tracy Murphy the sanctuary owner again has been running this sanctuary for over a decade and taking care of the animals without problem or outrage from the public up until this point. So I think it is very important to remember that Tracy is a human being, regardless if you disagree with her or her actions. She is an actual person who at the end of the day just wanted to save cows. Whether you agree with her tactics or not, I really would encourage you to not leave hate, harassment, or evil things about her if you do not actually know her as a person. Just remember 
that everybody is an individual person in this case. We do not encourage anyone to harass or have any kind of violent reaction to any of the individuals in this case. Do not sue me. These are all my personal opinions. And without further ado, thank you for listening to this intro. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I know that this was a long one and I am just very excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Again, please share this episode and I will stop talking now and get straight into the interview portion with, again, Matt Albert, the attorney for Tracy Murphy, the sanctuary owner, and one of my best friends, Andrea, mainly known as Toronto Vegan Mom. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be discussing the case of the Ashes Sanctuary and the two cows that found their way onto the sanctuary grounds. If you guys are unaware of this case, don't worry about it. We're going to go over like a brief introduction and kind of timeline as we go along. But before we got into this episode, I want to thank two of my very special guests here today. First, we have Matt Albert, who is an animal law vegan attorney all the way from New York. And we also are joined by one of my best friends, Andrea but most of you know Andrea as Toronto Vegan Mom on social media. So nonetheless, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys both for taking time out of your day to do this. I know we have a lot to talk about, but I wanted to first allow you both to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about like how you went vegan, what your vegan story is. I feel like all of us kind of have like a vegan story. So if you don't mind, Matt, we'll start off with you, like how you got into law and like whatever intro you see fitting for yourself the floor is yours sure um how do I keep this brief let's see well (laughs) I honestly law it was kind of just I didn't know what else to really do I tried journalism and that wasn't working out too great or I guess I just want to spend you know most of my 20s you know covering field hockey in Montana because those were sort of I was a sports journalist so those were the gigs available coming out of journalism school and uh, it was sort of what else am I I guess law without necessarily knowing where I wanted to go with it. And then I just just sort of took me where it wanted me to go as much as anything else. Um, So now I do a lot of animal welfare law. I do a lot of civil rights law, you know, basically trying to use law to fight against injustice anywhere I see it as much as anything else. In terms of veganism, well, I've been a longtime animal advocate. I've been sort of volunteering for rescues probably about 15 years or so. Then as I started going down my journey with the law, started getting involved in a lot of cases, civil rights suits in Buffalo, which involved the shooting of animals during search warrant executions. And a lot of times by police, police were doing it for sport. And it was uh, one of those things where, why are they shooting these dogs? They have dogs at their house. Why are they shooting these pit bulls when they have golden retrievers? I think in large part, because, you know, when you're not seeing the people whose communities that you're policing as people, you're not seeing their dogs as dogs. You can't really shoot all the people without doing a whole lot of paperwork, at least. So they shoot these dogs to sort of exercise power and control. So I never thought about that. So I mean, so I'm just trying to loop this as to how I got to veganism. So (laughs) then I started becoming, you know, more of a voice, more of an, I don't want to say authority, but I started doing something to try to help the animals that I love and care about. And once you start going down that road, you generally could only go forward. There's no kind of putting it in reverse, although I guess some people do. But for me, I just, you know, once you start seeing things, you can't stop seeing them. So at some point in time, I guess maybe four years ago, started realizing that there really is that any differences between the cows that I spend so little time with and the dogs that I spend my entire my life with is mostly aesthetic. It's most it's mostly from a human construct, but in terms of worth, in terms of value, in terms of beauty, there isn't a difference. And so I'm not, so it made no sense for me to do what I was doing for dogs day in and day out and then come home. And although I have been vegetarian for 10 years, but go home and I don't know, drink a milkshake or eat an ice cream or something like that, whatever. So point being, that's that's kind of where it led me to veganism. And it's a journey because, you know, yes, you could be a vegan, but it, there's still more you could always do to become a better person, to help animals more, to live a more righteous life. That's kind of the path that I'm trying to embark upon anyway. So I'm sorry, how long have you been vegan versus four like veg- four years and then vegetarian yeah, for yeah. like- I don't, I don't even have like a V-date or anything. If that's Got even- it. I don't know if that's a thing, but um, <laughs> four years. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Andrea, I will 
turn the floor over to you. Just kind of introduce yourself a little bit. The floor is Yeah, fine. I've been vegan <laughs> for nine years and I was vegetarian for a year before that. And I really, my early veganism was really problematic. It was really tied to like, it was like white veganism tied to like diet culture. I projected that onto non-vegans and I pushed away a lot of people, nearly broke up my marriage because I just like couldn't understand how my husband couldn't be vegan and he's still not vegan and I can't say that I understand why he's not but you know realized that I needed to like take a step back and look at how animal oppression was a systemic issue and the differences I could make and it's very much like what you were saying with how it's just one way you can be a better person. And so I needed to keep going (laughs) into more anti-oppression growth. And I'm still on that journey. It's never going to end. I still have lots of learning to do. Yeah, that's kind of my vegan journey. Nine years on August ish. <laughs> I think I might know the answer to this question, but I wanted to share it on the podcast too. Do you think that there was anything specific that you were like, this kind of made me change my way of the way I advocate for veganism? Cause I know you said you engaged in like a little bit more of problematic veganism, which I can totally relate to. Cause same, <laughs> I know that, you know, you're totally a different vegan now than when you first went vegan. So do you think there is any like event or like issue that kind of helped you change your mind or like what kind of gave you that like insight? It was definitely a gradual, gradual thing. And mm-hmm. thankfully there were enough people in my life pushing me and challenging me on different things. And probably at the time that they challenged me, they thought that they were making zero progress on me and making zero impact but I sat with things broadened my social circle to include like more chronically ill people disabled people fat people black people and like I was really in a bubble of like cis white able-bodied you know all these things and it was gradual thing of me meeting new people and and making more connections and realizing like my lived experience was so not the universal lived experience but I I wouldn't say like I've made like a ton of progress I can still sometimes feel myself saying something where I'm like whoa is that problematic is it not it's so hard to know because I truly believe that how animals are oppressed needs a lot of advocacy And I feel like sometimes the correction to white veganism is to just be quiet about animal oppression. And I'm like, no, like, I don't plan on being quiet about animal oppression, but I don't want to be loud about it in a way that harms other living beings. Right. Without turning this entire conversation into a conversation about white veganism, because I could talk about that forever. But I think a lot of the times when the mainstream starts talking about white veganism, they're actually talking about white veganism. They're just talking about veganism and they want you to shut up about veganism. It actually has nothing to do with what the actual problems of white veganism is. Like there are so many issues that come about when you're actually discussing white veganism. But whenever I feel like mainstream anti-vegans start talking about veganism, they're like, your veganism is problematic if you're talking about it, basically, you know, like if you're posting about veganism on social media, it's problematic. So without totally getting into like a huge discussion about that, I just want to thank you guys both for introducing yourselves. I appreciate you guys both taking time out of your schedule. I know we both are living on opposite sides of the country. I think New York, Toronto, California. So it's all very different. So thank you guys both for coming on to the show. Um, now I have to ask the most important question I feel like I'm going to ask, which is what your guys' zodiac signs are. I'm just totally kidding. Not the most important. I already know Andrea, but like both of you guys, maybe Matt first and then Andrea, what's your zodiac sign? And then we'll get into the important stuff, I promise. <laughs> I'm a I'm a cancer, so I'm sensitive by nature. And certainly yes. uh, this summer is testing my sensitivities on oh. numerous grounds. It's been, <laughs> but anyway, yes, I'm, I'm cancer. And certainly in some respects, I am, I exhibit prototypical cancer crybaby qualities I guess Aww. for like a better term I don't know but uh, cancer I love cancers my mom's a cancer my sister's a cancer have much love Andrea go ahead we already know but go ahead 
I am an Aries and I also embody many Aries features. I can be quite domineering and quick to emotion. Yeah. I always like this question because I feel like your zodiac sign kind of sometimes a little bit plays a part in how you are your vegan advocacy, like how you advocate for different issues. I've noticed that. So I've always am interested, like what's your zodiac sign? And then I go through your tweets like afterwards and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like cancer vegan advocacy got it <laughs> anyway okay so thank you guys for interacting in my bs but anyway so today we're going to be talking about the two cows that found their way onto ashwa sanctuary andrea i think you might know the answer to this question or maybe matt too but i found that their names were lackey and horny and i don't know if the sanctuary like kind of renamed the cows after they got them or if they kind of just called them cow one and cow two does anyone know the answer to that i'm not sure i do okay <laughs> so at the beef farm they were blacky and horny i one's black so i guess that's maybe how he got his identity i, I don't know i don't think there's a lot of you know innovative thinking that went into those names being issued yeah. necessarily. but I know Tracy has named them from the beginning I believe even Willow Little Willow and Ishmael and please don't ask me which one's which because I've drawn blanks <laughs> on that but one of them's Ishmael one of them's Little Willow that much I can promise you love that love yeah. that <laughs> yeah, I noticed that in the article that I was reading, Scott Gregson, which is totally fast forwarding to what I'm talking about, but Scott Gregson, who's the quote unquote owner of both of those cows, said that he did give the kids did give them generic names and called them Blackie and Horny. I don't like those names um, and I don't feel comfortable saying them. So I might just say two cows or I'll try and say their actual names that Tracy had given them. Nonetheless, we're going to be talking about the two cows that found their way onto the sanctuary. So I wanted to go briefly over the timeline that I have been able to find, but Andrea and Matt, if you have any inconsistencies with this timeline or want to add anything to it, please do. I'm going to start on July 16th just to give kind of like a brief overview of what we're actually talking about for the people who might not be 100% well versed in this case. So we're going to start off on July 16th, 2022. Scott Gregson, which I'm hopefully saying his name might seems pretty generic, but I would butcher something like that. But Scott Craigson, who is the owner, quote unquote, of these two cows, have started some big controversy in this small town in New York State. I think Craigson or maybe some members of his farm had noticed that two of the cows on his farm were missing. The cows actually ended up on Ashford Sanctuary, where Tracy Murphy, the sanctuary owner for, I believe, over a decade, was the one to contact SPCA to let them know that she found these two cows. <laughs> I think Asha noticed the cows before Gregson or anyone from his property noticed them missing. From what I've read, yeah. Tracy uh, noticed Little Willow and Ishmael come onto Asha's property and mm -hmm. she immediately notified SPCA from what I've read. Gregson was then notified by SPCA right. that the cows were missing. That was the order of events that I saw versus Gregson first noticing them missing and then going okay, where are these cows? But right. I don't know which is accurate. And I think I can provide a little clarity. There are Got some, it. there are certainly still some unanswered questions about the timeline, the fact pattern. But what I can tell you is this, from as far as we know, certainly the cows showed up ballparkish July 15th or 16th or so, give or take. Okay. And yes, my client reported the cows on our property right away to the local SPCA. To the best of our knowledge, these cows were not sought till about a week after that time. So there's nothing that we've seen or heard or at all to indicate that Mr. Gregson even noticed that these cows were missing till about a week later. So then after about a week of my client saying, I wonder whose cows these are, he, we were made aware that someone has, you know, at least claimed ownership. But the question that certainly raises the question, why or how did it take so long if they're your cows to realize they were missing? If you right. have a small beef farm, which he does. Right. And I don't have an answer to that. And that's something that maybe as time goes on, it could go to his credibility. Uh, it could go to his truthfulness, which I guess is the same thing as credibility. It raises a question. So there is, and then from there, everything, you know, snowballed. There was a Friday, maybe 
the 25th, if my dates are right, where him and my client had contact. There was a discussion about purchasing the cows. I don't want to steal all the thunder, but you know, then that was Friday. And then Monday, the 28th, if my dates, if my dates are correct, he shows up 839 in the morning with the cavalry, meaning with other troopers, with neighbors, friends in the neighborhood. Yeah his wife and his kids yeah so yeah certainly and so from there i guess the the hopes and the that this thing could get worked out amicably or civilly pretty much going by the wayside right then and right there my client told them to leave she was threatened and rightfully so my client told them to leave i'd say it was quiet for a week but it wasn't from the legal front it was quiet at her house there were neighbors or people from the community you know, grilling beef outside of her property, protests happening on the regular, dead animals being thrown onto her property, death threats being issued via internet and everything else under the sun, you know, websites being spammed and hacked, Google reviews being, you know, issued, you name it. (laughs) And then that went on for about a week until last Monday is when the warrant was executed, the cows were taken, and evidently the cows were shipped off to God knows where, all of which poses a serious problem both from a legal standpoint and a practical standpoint but a we want to save the cows b by their pressing these charges against my client those cows are evidence and we have every right to inspect those cows we have every right to appraise those cows ourselves we have every right to do a lot of things with those cows and uh if they're in some undisclosed location wherever um that obviously presents you know a discovery issue that could call for a drastic remedy in our favor. But right. anyway, I not to get too far adrift, but that's sort no, of the that was perfect. So just to clarify, I have it here that Tracy was then arrested because I feel like you kind of went over the timeline perfectly. Yeah. So she was arrested. Was it August 2nd? It would be the it first. It was the first. First. Okay. Right. And then she was released the same day, right? It was the, right. So the, it was the 25th when Gregson and company went to her house. Right. Okay. The first when she was arrested. Got so that it. was the week. There was a week gap where there was no legal activity taking place, just a lot of extracurricular activity. And then the arrest last week. Like a lot of this stuff is being left out. A lot of this timeline is being left out of the reporting. So yes. the fact that she called SBCA right away, mm-hmm. what kind of thing? reports their theft like the day they're doing it no one uh, or at all no one the other thing that's off that's being left out is that she offered to pay for the cows and that's you know not a lot of not all vegans support that by the way a lot of vegans would say well that money's just going to go to breed more cows into a life of exploitation but in the in just the confines of this story, when you're stealing something, even though these are someone's, generally you don't pay for them. So that's being left out of the story. You know, they came to her and she said, okay, as if you're able to prove to me that these cows came from your property, I will give you money for them. The fact that they that wasn't accepted, like it just makes no sense to me. And that's not being reported. What's being reported is that she refused to return these animals, not much about her saying, oh, I'll pay for them. And not to mention like weeks that she's taking care of these animals get provided them housing and you know shelter and food shouldn't he owe her some money because like they wandered off of his property onto hers and he didn't come and get them he didn't even notice they were missing allegedly we don't know for sure right so yeah I mean from a legal standpoint a lot of the questions you just asked are questions that are civil in nature we understand the worth of cows but we also right we also have to understand that under New York law archaic as it is they're considered quote unquote property. With that in mind, these aren't the first two people that have a, that have had a property dispute. And, you know, with that in mind, there are civil courts, there are civil courts where these issues are worked out. So the fact that, and in fact, as an animal welfare attorney, I have lots of cases in which, you know, maybe boyfriend takes girlfriend's dog after the relationship and she can't get it back. And she calls the police and she says, look, and I literally have a case like this right now. I have the license. I have the dog license. I have all his vet paperwork. It's all in my name. He took my dog. Far more evidence than what we have here. And what do police say 99 times out of 100 in these instances? Ah, there's nothing we could do. 
go get yourself a lawyer. And then they call Matt Albert to try to help them out to get their dog back. And I do. So what's different here? What's different here? Well, Scott Gregson is not just a person. Scott Gregson is a beef farmer. You know, I'm sorry. He's also, well, yes, he is a beef farmer. He's a New York State trooper. So Scott Gregson, New York State trooper, goes to New York State troopers about what looks like a civil property dispute. And they say, no, 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 no. This is this is a criminal case and we're going to allocate all these resources and we're going to give these cops overtime and we're going to sit outside our house and we're going to turn this into a war essentially. And that's here. And that's where we are. The selectiveness at best in terms of how this case is being handled compared to how countless other cases in which, you know, an animal, the possession of an animal and who's the rightful owner, you know, how those cases are handled is, you know, night and day. And it, I think it has everything to do with A, the fact that he's a trooper, B, the fact that this is kind of putting the meat industry, they feel so threatened by the idea that their food has a higher purpose and they feel so challenged by it that the gauntlet's really been laid down here. And uh, it's become to a point where I'm speaking to, you know, people from California and it's got the country's notice at this point. Yeah, I don't want to backtrack like too much, but I do want to talk a little bit about how the timeline has gotten so fucked up in excuse my language, but has gotten so fucked up in articles because I am studying journalism. So I feel like as just like with journalism ethics that I have been installed in me, I'm like, how are all of these timelines and these accounts being so misconstrued? Like I have had an article tell me July 16th, Grayson and Murphy both reported their animals missing. And then I have Tracy on video saying it was 10 days before I even heard anything. Like it's back and forth and it's it's kind of annoying. And so when you're trying to figure out the case and then also a lot of bias is being presented in the media is something that I really want to talk about because in all of the news reporting that I've seen, it's just like cows being returned. And like, it's this really, really happy story. And if it wasn't for me actually seeing Tracy say, I will pay you for these cows, that has been completely left out of majority of reporting in this case. And I think Andrea had mentioned that as well. I think that's a big, that's a big thing because if you are a beef farmer in my brain is telling me that you kind of put some kind of monetary value on cows. So why is it that if this person is offering you I think I have a quote here, so I will quote it. Top dollar for these cows. Why is it that Gregson didn't say, okay, I'll take the money for the cows. My kids can maybe come and visit the cows since it's all about the kids and it's all about, you know, the money. Why is it that he's not taking the monetary value of the cows from Tracy and allowing the cows to live their life? Like, how did it turn into this big thing? So I didn't want to backtrack, but I just wanted to point out that, like, feel like there's a lot of media bias here. That's not what journalism should be about. Even as a vegan, I try to look at both sides of the story and because that's what journalism is. You look at both sides of the stories and you report on the facts. And that has been completely not been happening here. Just wanted to point that out. You chimed in on the kids, right? And like that is a part of this story that to me, you know, is very psychologically manipulative and like the press did it too. And you see it in the public response. Like a lot of the commentary from the public is like, how could you do these, this to their, the kids, you should return the cows to the kids, not much follow through on how the kids are impacted by then those same cows being sent to slaughter. To me, a slam dunk for both them, if it truly is about the kids, that Tracy would keep the cows and I guess pay him for them. And like you said, they could live forever on her sanctuary and his Mm -hmm. kids who apparently care for them. And I believe that it's very likely that his kids care for them because kids uh, naturally have compassion for animals. They can visit and remain connected to them. And, you know, this concept of, you know, toughening quote unquote kids by having them connect with living beings only for them to have to say goodbye to them and have them sent 
to their deaths. Like that's something we should examine more. You know, I, I wrote about it on my social media about how there's emerging research about how kids don't want to exploit animals when they're, when they're uh, surveyed, they all say that they have no interest in it or the vast majority. Also, the, you can just see it on these kids' faces, the 4-H programs, you know, the kids are bawling their eyes out when they have to say goodbye to the animals that they've raised you know so that aspect of the story and and the media coverage really I found to be quite unprofessional like it's clearly not about the kids so why is that quote even being mentioned oh yeah my kids really miss them they're connected to them and stuff like I found that to be really unnecessary and it really impacted I think the intensity of the public response what I can say is you know certainly from our ends I you know I had conversations especially when it was discovered that hey there might be a potential owner I was you know I, we hot off the press before this made anything made news made anything you know, the first thing I said, the first thing I heard about it was from the director of the SPCA, who is a friend of mine. And she said, Matt, my understanding is he, he might want to, you know, sell the cows. He, he might be willing to take money for them. So immediately I saw this storm coming. I didn't know it would be this, whatever you want to call it, you know, once in a century type storm. But I saw that this had the makings of becoming a big, big headache for everybody involved. My first, so I talked about it with Tracy and we said, let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's give him some money for it sometimes. And it doesn't mean we recognize that he was the true owner. We have no idea to this day if he is the true owner. I still haven't seen any proof of it but it's like sometimes maybe you're not speeding but you get a speeding ticket so what do you do sometimes to save yourself a headache the aggravation you sell out and you know you pay you, you take a parking ticket or you know something else same type of thing let's let's get this done let's make sure these cows are protected that was her primary concern I knew it was it, I think it differs a little bit because I completely agree you know, and I've, I've been the vice president for a Citizens Against Puppy Mills organization. So I completely understand the philosophy that you start throwing money at these issues. All you're doing is perpetuating the industry. You might save a puppy, but what are you doing? You're putting more money in the, in the, in the miller's pocket, you know, for the mama who they were going to drown anyway. So from their standpoint, they love it. They love us, you know, but so in this instance, though, I think one big difference was they'd been with Tracy for 10 days. She had formed a relationship with them. She's not going around to beef farmers and saying, hey, I'll give you money for your cows. I'll pay you more, more than what you'd get at the slaughterhouse. So because of the fact that to me is a key distinction why I think in this case, it made sense to just sort of swallow our pride, throw money at this thing, protect these cows, call it a day, not subject her to what she's gone through. I certainly didn't think it would lead to all this, but again, I saw the makings of it becoming troublesome. We tried to take care of it early and so did he say why he was unwilling to take the money no he what he said was yeah i might do it but let me just load them on my trailer first yeah and then, and that's we'll what i saw so, that's what i saw on tiktok it was a video yeah. i think andrew you might have saw it too it was like a tiktok yeah. video of tracy and the guy and he and i thought in that video he was gonna agree like verbally say okay i'll take money because then that's a good evidence right there mm -hmm. but he just kept saying okay but it looked like the way he was nodding his head and agreeing to tracy offering him money for the cows it looked like he was gonna say yeah i totally agree i'll take money for the cows just his mannerism and his words but then he just kept saying but i need to take the cows back with me i need to load them back onto my truck and tracy was like fuck that I'm not doing that like you're not going to take the cows I offered to give you money and even before you even think about taking the cows you might think about like paying me to board them feed them all this stuff before you even yeah. think about taking them from me and I was like go Tracy like I was like hell yeah because it was totally on her side but it looked like he was willing to take money for the cows I was confused about that like, why didn't he take money for the cows? It benefits everyone in this situation. He's a, you know, he's a trooper. So yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought he's telling her what he wants to hear so he could load those cows up. Yeah, we okay. can talk about that, you know. 
but let me just get these cows on this trailer. And so I have no faith that he was dealing in good faith. I think it was got the it, Got it, got it. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense. I want to ask this question before I forget it, but it reminded me of the question if Tracy was saving the cows because I really wanted to talk about the life expectancy of pretty much majority of cows. I've argued this point like a million times on Twitter. And every single time I ask this question, either nobody responds or they deflect from it. It's an article that Scott Grayson was quoted saying I usually keep the cows for two years and right. while they're here you know we tuck them in the bed we give them milk and cookies like we read them bedtime stories blah 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 like all that stuff you know that people usually say to make sure. people feel better about the fact that you're going to kill an animal at two years old and so I was really <laughs> I can't understand this about a lot of non-vegans and it's the fact that in different situations they're willing to save certain animals from you know being killed and I think in like 2018 PETA had reported that like 175 animals have been saved from like hot cars and just like that year alone just in 2018 like 175 people had reported animals being in hot cars so it seems like the average person sorry my dog's gonna decide to play with this toy at this time but anyway <laughs> it seems like people have this willingness or desire to save animals from immediate threat my question is why do you think the public and specifically maybe Grayson but just the public in general because I know the neighbors and the neighborhood have been really rallying behind Grayson why do you think it is that they are so gung-ho about like killing these cows at two like and their life expectancy is like 20 maybe 20 plus years like why do you think so many people are just overlooking that and they're just like like whatever return the animals they're gonna get killed is it because they're beef farmers themselves it's a small community like what do you think is the reasoning for that i'll take a stab at that one i guess i, I think it's a really good question it, you know i think you see these articles from time to time about cows or pigs jumping off of slaughterhouse trucks okay and you know they jump off a slaughterhouse truck and and it's on video nobody is you know foaming at the mouth saying no gosh darn it or whatever bring them back to the slaughterhouse so they could get gutted Nobody's saying that. Most people, even the meat eaters are, oh, that's so cute, you know? And then when they find out they live happily ever after, nobody's up in arms about it. Everyone's either happy, you know, especially member, general members of the public, and even your meat farmers, they're fine with it. They're not sitting there, you know, saying this is wrong, that belongs to the slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouses, you know, we don't see what happens in there. We know, in, I mean, we can't not know what happens in them, but it's, they're not exposed. You know, Americans feel a little more removed from them, even though basically they're complicit with obviously any and all slaughterhouse activity every time they put a one sauce on their steak. I think in this instance, the difference here was they really, you know, farmers really saw it as a, a, a challenge to their way of life because to accept that what Tracy's doing is right, you know, and that these cows have a higher value than living a couple good years and then getting slaughtered when they wake up one day without having any idea being led to a slaughterhouse and cutting short their life by 15 years or 16, 17 years, you know, cutting short 80% of their life. For them to think that, for anyone to acknowledge that, you know what, I think what's going on with these cows now and the beautiful life they could have, you know, at a sanctuary is to acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong, that their way of life is wrong. And they're not ready to make that acknowledgement because of that, because they sort of see that as a direct sort of threat to their way of life, they're going to toe the line and they're going to attack crazy and they're going to do anything they can to discredit her because to do otherwise would be to admit that they're they're wrong and their way of life is wrong therefore they're going to you know marginalize her call her crazy make up rumors do you know make up obscenities threaten her vilify her it's a witch hunt anything to discredit her because they don't want to face the fact that she might be right yeah like i think it's exactly the same thing you know we've seen we see cognitive dissonance as a societal problem every day people objectively care about animals and a lot of them if they saw an animal whether it were a domesticated or a wild one or even a farmed animal if they saw them struggling for life stuck in a barbed wire drowning what have you they will do what they can to rescue that animal they're not necessarily doing it i feel because they view the animal as property and they're thinking oh i'm gonna help out a farmer 
or by keeping this cow alive or whatever. No, they do it because they see a life struggling and there's compassion in us. And so for us who've, you know, made it past that leap with cognitive dissonance, it just seems like such an obvious thing that the that two animals who were able to liberate themselves from a very near violent death found sanctuary with someone who saw their value and their personhood and their individuality, it seems like the most obvious injustice that society would say, screw you cows, we're sending you back to the person who means to kill you. But like Matt said, you know, that would mean acknowledging that the food that they produce, or maybe they don't produce, maybe they eat, is violence and is a living being who would have preferred to live their life in peace, not be killed and put on their plate. And that's not something, like Matt said, that people are ready to do in a lot of circumstances. So it's easier to project the anger and the injustices that they feel at Tracy and be like, well, you're a thief in this, than it is to say, wow, I support animal violence. Yeah, that's those are both really good points. I do want to talk about some key rumors that I really hope that Matt, maybe you can help dispel because they are just the most absurd things that I've ever seen in this case. So the first one I want to talk about is since the public has kind of become aware of this case, there have just been like way more rumors that the animals in Tracy's care at her sanctuary are being abused or are living in conditions that are inhumane. I know I saw one Google review on the sanctuary from Kristen Wood, it looks like, and it states that those animals would be actually better off in a slaughterhouse than in your care, meaning Tracy's care. I'm curious to know if maybe you know on your side if there's any evidence that the animals in Murphy's care are being abused or if the farm is in an inhumane condition. Have you seen any evidence of that? I just wanted to give you a chance to like kind of talk about that. What I could say is this. Uh, no, I've never actually fortunately had the privilege of going to visit Asha's. Uh, it's something that's been on my to-do list along with about a million and ten other things that I'll never actually get done because I run my own sanctuary here. So it's very difficult to leave. Oh, but okay. regardless, what I can say is this, you know, the vegan community in Buffalo is just probably the way it is in most medium-sized cities. It's pretty, pretty close. Everyone kind of knows everybody or at least knows somebody who knows somebody. Mm -hmm. What I could say is this, there's a lot of people who I know very well who I hold an extremely high regard in the vegan community who volunteer there on a regular basis and all of them have nothing but good, uh, they, they laud Tracy's work and never heard anything to the contrary until this, if that tells you something. So no, I yeah. believe that these are just completely made up fabrications by people who have have never gone within a country mile of her sanctuary. Everything I have heard about Asha's up until one week ago or two weeks ago, whatever it's been, has been good, very good. Beyond that, I have a lot of friends, good friends even, who I hold in the highest regard in the vegan community who would never put their name behind a place that they don't believe you know, works extremely hard and provides these animals with excellent lives. Yeah, and you can see it in her, just her few videos on TikTok. The animals are well cared yeah. for. And when I posted about it on my TikTok, I had a few people comment and say, we visited with my kids and my friend goes there all the time and just thinks the animals are, you know, are just loving life over there you know so i i feel like there's no evidence that i can see that she's not taking care of the animals the other thing that i saw and came up in a lot of my social media posts about it is people saying she lured the cows off is there any evidence that she helped them get from his property to her property none <laughs> pure speculation no. fabrication and to that, I would say, again, she's lived there for 10 years. She's lived in beef farm country for 10 years, running her sanctuary there. So the idea that one day after 10 years out of the clear blue sky, surrounded by 
beef farms and hundreds of cows at these beef farms. She's just going to decide, you know what I'm going to decide? You know what I'm going to do today? Even though I haven't done this for the past 10 years living in amongst these people and their, and their farm and their cows, I'm going to, I'm going to steal a couple of cows. It doesn't add up. It doesn't yeah, make and sense. And then I'm going to call SBCA. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you, people could say anything and that's, that's the thing. And you know, it's the internet. It, it's difficult work because people are going to do what, you know, there's always going to be, especially if you're going against the grain, there's always going to be a segment of that society, a segment of society that's going to do everything they can to discredit you. It's unfortunate that she has to live with that, but you know, she's got a lot of support and she deserves that support. People are behind her for a reason. Show me a vegan that says, oh, it's inhumane over there. I don't, I don't think you're going to see that because everyone who actually knows what goes on over there has nothing but good things to say about the conditions and the animals that live there. Her Google page, her TikTok page, her Twitter page, her Instagram page, and it goes on and on and on, has been spammed with a bunch of rumors, a bunch of speculations and accusations by people who, when I message them, because as a journalist, I like to get their side of the story. I like to ever let everybody be able to explain their point of view. And when I message them, I'm like, hey, you accused Murphy or Tracy Murphy as doing this to her cows, or you accused the farm of being like this. Like, do you have any evidence or any proof to back that up? I either get left unread, blocked immediately, or just said like, you just had to be there or something like along those lines. So I have, I just wanted to just let people know because I have reached out to everybody that I've seen say really fucked up shit about the farm and about Tracy as a being. And I have not had a single person be able to provide any evidence or proof that those cows or the cows in her care or the animals in her care are abused or engaging in any kind of fucked up activity. Can't say the same for beef farms, but as far as we know with Tracy, I haven't been able to see any evidence and the people who are accusing her of those things have not been able to back it up. So I do want to try and wrap things up here, but I do want to ask Matt if you've gotten to know Tracy a little bit more. And so I do think that what we know about Tracy is she's an animal thief and like (laughs) she's on a sanctuary for 10 years. So I'm curious to know, getting to know her a little bit better, is there anything that you would think she would want the public to know any stories about her that you would think you know she's is funny she's kind like I haven't been able to see really anything that makes her a person sure. and so I'm curious yeah, to know how is she doing yeah how exactly she... like sure. what is what is her story if you can talk about that thank you <laughs> yeah I mean it's on un- well I, she's someone that I've always sort of known from a distance as I mentioned you know the vegan community is in that big but you know I've unfortunately only gotten to know her through this she has handled it so bravely there are times like I'll stand tall I consider myself a fighter you know and there were times where it was just like wow I mean you know where if I'm in her shoes I couldn't believe that she was willing to just keep going knowing what might be coming knowing that these people are going to show up again tomorrow knowing that all she'd have to do is just say no mas no mas you know let the cows go I mean and she didn't knowing that she might end up in handcuffs, knowing that these Google reviews would keep coming and now they were going to come at her friends and her board members. So the bravery that she's shown, I think is really impressive. It takes a really, you know, someone who's so true to her ideals and what she believes in to just stand strong, you know, to basically not give in, not give up. She didn't know that this groundswell of support would be coming either. I didn't. Thank God it did to help even the tables a little bit. But for a long time, it just felt like it was her and and me doing what we could, but mostly her. They were coming at her a lot more than me, you know, against the world. So it's, it's nice that she's finally getting the outpouring support is a little belated in some respects, not from you guys, but too often, well, this is kind of what we talked about, circling way back to white veganism, you know, a lot of, and I'm not necessarily the most versed person when it comes to these issues, but too often what I see in the vegan community is a love for animals, God bless, you know, animals shouldn't be eaten, they're right, but an ignorance to the rest of the societal issues and the injustices that befall so many and a willing to stand up for them. So too often here, instead of we need to get behind Tracy Murphy, now more people are coming to the table. But at first it was, oh, wow, I don't want to touch this. Hey, look, everyone, here's this delicious vegan ice cream from Frosty's, you know? So I don't think no, that answer your question at all, but 
point being, she's a very brave lady. Totally, totally. And I had tweeted something along the lines about this. I feel like a lot of the times people forget the goals of veganism is to liberate and be an ally to animals. That's what we're here for as vegans. And that needs to prioritize being liked by the mainstream media, being liked by the people, because at the end of the day, we are opposing something that majority of the world and majority of our country in, in Canada support is eating animals. And as vegans, we need to be allies to these animals. These cows liberated themselves. At the end of the day, they escaped from this beef farm and found their way onto that sanctuary. And as allies, that's our job to aid in what we can to help them out. And it's not about being liked by Fox News or whatever. It's not about being liked by them. It's about being allies. And that doesn't give us permission to be rude or evil or mean, but we need to prioritize animals, liberating animals over a lot of the things that I think the vegan community prioritizes and we can't really get behind because we don't want to be disliked. And I think that that's something that we really need to talk about too. Andrea, I know you had something you wanted to say. Sorry to cut you off. No, I just think, you know, this is really, it's so true. It's a tale as old as time. Apathy, even people within the movement, they think, okay, I I am vegan. Therefore, I've done what I can for animals. And here's someone, Tracy, who's not just dedicated the last decade to caring for rescued animals. And like, that's a whole other topic is how sanctuaries are often overlooked in vegan community support. We do not support our sanctuaries enough. So for 10 years, she's cared for rescued animals, many of them with disabilities and chronic illness. And and then she puts her reputation on the line, her livelihood on the line to protect two individuals who liberated themselves. And instead of society seeing her as a hero, which I believe they ultimately would if Little Willow and Ishmael were dogs, who were escaping someone who meant to shoot them and eat them. She's being seen as a criminal. And, you know, and Matt even said, like, even in normal circumstances, like cases like this can be handled in a civil court. They're not necessarily seen as a criminal thing, but this is just take been taken to a, that next level. And I think it comes down to them asserting this narrative that cows are property. They are not living beings worthy of liberating even capable of liberating themselves. They are like, what? You think these cows liberated themselves? Like they're smart enough to know where the sanctuary is? I'm like, yeah, I do. So they just want to assert that narrative that cows are property. They're incapable of liberating themselves. Anyone who doesn't treat them like property should be criminalized and put in their place. Yeah, I think that what you said about the dogs and the cats situation, not to like, harp on that too much but no one would ever return a dog or a cat if they knew they were going to get killed at two like that is not something that happens and and no one would do it and society as a whole would be celebratory of the kind of person who would say no I'm not giving you back your dog if you mean to cause your dog harm right no one would call that person a thief ever it'd just be like you know, they wouldn't be like, oh no, that's their property. Like return their dog to be killed. Like, yeah, but, but yeah, this is an an assertion of our way of life is not anti-ethical. Cows are property. They just want to Mm. assert that narrative. If they in any way capitulate to Tracy being right in any way, that means like Matt said, admitting that there is something, you know, anti-ethical about their work. I think all of us could probably talk about this and there's topics and questions that like we didn't get to talk about but the topic that I really do want to end on is with Matt like how can vegans rally the support behind Tracy behind the sanctuary is she taking donations like are the legal fees something we can donate to like what can vegans do to support now and like what's going on in the future because I think we're all just kind of like what do we do from here so if you could help answer that I think that's something that a lot of people want to know sure no um, thank you for I mean certainly this case obviously touches upon so many other issues but mm-hmm. These cows need help. Tracy needs help. To answer your question, I think there's going to be a series of 
sort of strategies and ways to get the public involved. And those are going to be laid out sooner rather than later. It's just not necessarily my place to do so. Tracy does, we are forming, a, I think, a formidable team of not just attorneys, but also strategists and advocates, PR people, giving the cows and, and yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's what she deserves and, and that's what she needs and that's what she's going to get. We do see this to speak somewhat clearly and not to sound like an opportunist, but there is opportunity here. There's opportunity not just to save these cows, not just to vindicate Tracy, and that's paramount to what we're, we're trying to do, but also to show why, you know, our way of life is not a threat, but rather it, it's, it's, a, it's welcoming, it's warm, it's rewarding, and try to bring some people over that yeah. might see some merit in what we're trying to say. I mean, saying that these cows deserve better than, you know, being betrayed and absolutely slaughtered as they're walking in behind their friends, you know, who are being dismembered and disemboweled in front of them. I don't think that's a crazy position. I don't think that's overly radical. So I think that there's the people in place now that are looking to basically promote veganism. I think we have a moral and ethical duty to do that, even if it's at some risk or cost to ourselves. There's more to veganism than just sacrificing the taste of steak. Right. There's that a should chance, be the minimum. Not there's the a chance maximum. to set like a president in this case. There's a chance for future cases for different animals. Like this case has the opportunity to set a president. I'm just so happy that she has a team that's rallying behind her and because I think a lot of times with open rescues in particular, it's not the same thing, but I think a lot of times with open rescues, they use that opportunity in court and they use those opportunities to talk in front of the public as ways to advocate for the future and like making veganism more mainstream and talking about these issues. So I definitely think that this case sets a huge precedent for the future. And I'm just really happy that there's something going on. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Like this is an, op there is opportunity here. And like when I made my content on it, I focused very much on Tracy and on the individual cows, but also tried to open up the discussion of, you know, do you believe animals are property? Okay, what if someone plans to harm these animals and like ask these questions and hopefully plant seeds in people's hearts and minds of like, wait, no, I think I would say no if someone came to retrieve animals if I knew that they were meant to cause them harm. Even if they can't get past the whole animals are property thing, I think the the part that, that hangs them up is, okay, if someone plans to then harm that living being, even if I feel that living being is property, then, you know, because like, like you said, a lot of people would be in support of like busting a car window open and, you know, getting a dog that was suffocating in heat, you know, so people understand instinctually that desire to protect living beings. So I think there's an opportunity to plant some seeds there. The one last thing, like I wanted to know, like, and I don't know if you were recorded when you mentioned this initially, Matt, is just like, where are the cows? And like, do we have a guarantee that they will not be killed anytime sure. soon at least is there any hope that they could still be saved yes there's, be evidence, um, right? there's also some yeah. unknowns but i think and again not to get into too many of the particulars but certainly i think the legal strategy is certainly going to encompass trying to save those cows of course that's what tracy wants that's what okay. she, that's why we're here <laughs> that's why we're having yeah. this conversation that's where this all arose from was one woman's wishes to save two animals. So that's certainly going to be part of the legal strategy. And there are ways to go about it, knowing that oftentimes when you're going against these systems, you know, often, as we all know, these systems take care of themselves, they bond to they work symbiotically with one another frequently. So if you're talking about big ag and the justice system, they're separate systems, but they're related and they, and oftentimes one hand is sort of helping the other. They have a mm -hmm. symbiotic relationship with one another. And, and that's power as a whole. Power yeah. preserves power, power protects power, but we're going to fight. We're going to, we're going to do everything we can. And at this point, no, we don't know exactly where they are, but there are things such as injunctive relief and things to that effect where we could make motions and demand that be brought back to this area because criminal procedure law is very clear that defendants have every right to inspect the evidence. Well, we can't do that. If you guys made these cows evidence, not us. 
So if you're going to do that, you're under an obligation by law not to run across the coast or wherever you went with those cows, bring them back. And that's going to be something we're going to lobby and advocate or making a petitioning the court for. If he were to harm the animals before the court proceedings, would there be any legal ramifications for him or would- Well, I mean, if something like that were to happen, then in theory, that could be- grounds to move for dismissal the charges against Tracy but that's not what we're hoping for nor at this point do I have any inclination that that's what is happening it's been a week okay. and but certainly from our standpoint it's got we have to prioritize getting some papers down before the court to try to keep anything from potentially happening to the animals yeah okay because I, I you know my concern was would be that he would just take them and you know kill them right away but it sounds like he wants to get Tracy for this for some reason. And so if he does, then killing the cows would make that difficult for him to do. So it's almost in our best interest then that he continues the charges because it means that he's going to keep the cows alive until, you know. I had a, I had like a really stupid theory, but I had a theory that I just, for some reason think is true. I think he's going to try and keep the cows alive so that he kind of looks like the the savior in this story for some reason. I feel like it will look good for the public if he keeps the cows alive and then it makes the vegans less mad. Don't know why I feel that way, but we will see. We will yeah. see. <laughs> it's just a theory. I don't know why I feel that way. I just have a feeling but I could be wrong. He could kill the cows. He could keep them alive. We don't know. I just really am grateful, Matt. Thank you for coming on to the podcast and sharing with Yeah, Thank you, Matt, very much. Because I I totally appreciate it. I think a lot of people are going to really appreciate this episode. And just to be clear, there's not like, do you know of a way that we can donate? Or is there anything like that you would really feel like we need to push for right now? Like just to like end that off? Like, is there anything that you think that really needs to be talked about a lot more right at this moment? At this exact second, not necessarily. There might be a couple of things even off air that I could tweet to you or something along those lines. Um, But no, there is not any. sort of central i'm do, i've been doing this whole thing pro bono um eventually bringing more lawyers in there there may be a fund there isn't one yet though so there's nowhere to point anyone to at this Got exact it. moment but i guess what i'd say is just stay tuned to your network and you know when there are things i'll make sure that you get them immediately so. thank you i appreciate it and i appreciate both of you guys for talking way longer than the hour of kombucha hour um and i appreciate it so much yeah do you guys have anything like you guys want to end with or any closing statements no just tracy if you're listening i think you're so badass and yes for you like i feel such a kinship to her because i could totally envision me one day living on a property and an animal wandering on and some, mm-hmm. you know, neighbor coming and being like, oh, that's like the pig we plan to butcher and roast and me being like, well, good luck with that now because like I will fight you before I'll let you harm this living being. And so I just feel such a connection to her. And so if she listens to this, I just want to say, Tracy, like you're a badass and I support you. And I I know I'm not alone in that. Yeah, Tracy, if you're listening to this, there's so many people. I know it doesn't maybe feel like it, maybe around in like your smaller circle, but there are people all over the country and all over the world that support you. And we can see ourselves in you. I think Andrea said, like any of us can see ourselves being in that situation. Thank you for everything that you're doing and continue to do and have done for the past decade with other animals that maybe we've never even heard of. So thank you again for everything that you're doing. And thank you, Matt. And thank you, Andrea. And I will end this recording and... (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys and i hope you guys have a good day (laughs) thanks so much you guys too thanks for having me